Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for May 12th, 2019. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message titled, Jacobed, the Motherly Deliverer of God's Covenant Deliverance. Today, we look at the life of Jacobed, the mother of the great patriarch, Moses. We see how she recognized the threat against her child and how she rebelled against the tyrant's well-funded, systematic operation designed to destroy her child and how her faith led her to action. We see Jacobed as a godly example for our mothers today as we follow her example of physical, spiritual, and moral nourishment in preparation for life in Egypt, Babylon, and the world today. Now join us in your copy of God's Word as we look at the book of Exodus, chapters 1 and 2. So, I I was saying, okay, Proverbs 31, that's the go-to you know, chapter for Mother's Day. I said, you know what? Let's not even do that. Let's just, let's just, just not do that. So we're not going to do that. Um, so I looked at the Bible. I said, okay, let's look at some mothers in the Bible and kind of see who are some exciting mothers in the Bible, what we can pull from stories of mothers in the Bible. Not, not too much famous ones, but ones that maybe not get a lot of props or a lot of shout outs. So I found this mother. I said, this is good. It's a good setup. I think it's applicable to what we've been talking about. And I like how the Holy Spirit just kind of guided us to it. Um, So I'm excited to share about this mother. Her name is Jacobed. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. Her name is Jacobed. Anybody know who she the mother of? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Jacobed. So real quick, turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. The book of Exodus chapter 1. So Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Real quick history. God made Adam and Eve. They went on. Noah came up. God destroyed the earth with water and flood. Noah's three sons, they started up again. We had a whole bunch of people. In that time, God reached out to this man from no goodness of himself named Abraham. And he told Abraham, I'm going to snatch you up from your father's land. I'm going to put you in another land, and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you a father of many, 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 many nations. Your seeds, your children will be as countless as the stars, as the sand and the sea, and you're going to be my people. And Abraham, the Bible says, by faith, believed God, left his land of earth, and went to a land that he had not known. God promised that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to trust you or trust in me and I will bless you. So Abraham had a son, Isaac, and through Isaac, this promise, this covenant continued on. God gave the same promise to to Isaac. Then from Isaac had a son named uh, Esau and Jacob and Badia was going through that kind of in in Romans chapter uh, nine and ten. God chose Jacob. And from Jacob, God said the same promise. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be my people. You're going to change the world for me. The Messiah is going to come through you. In the Old Testament, Genesis said that uh, Shiloh is going to come through you. Even in uh, Genesis chapter 3, he says that the, the seed of the woman that's going to crush the head of Satan and sin, that is going to come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God had promised this thing. This was coming all the way now. And Jacob had 12 sons and he had Joseph. And you know the story. They were in Canaan. Then there was a famine. They went to Egypt. And while they was in Egypt, Joseph became prominent. Matter of fact, he came second in charge in Egypt. And so he went and got his father and all his brothers. And so the Israelites, who were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all lived in Egypt and everything was wonderful during that time. Until we get to Exodus chapter 1. If you look at Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, it says, a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. And he said to the people, look, the Israelites... 
people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, it will multiply further, and when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and lead the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and in all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. And so we know the story. If you've seen, what's the Prince of Egypt? I don't know if you've seen that movie or you've seen the Ten Commandments. We know the story. The Egyptians began to enslave the Israelites. So they went from this popular, exciting nation in Egypt to now they were slaves. And you saw some words there as you keep reading. They dealt shrewdly with them. They oppressed them with forced labor. Verse 11. They worked them ruthlessly. Verse 13. They made their lives bitter. Verse 14. And so God's people who had this promise, this covenant of Abraham, this covenant and promise of Isaac and Jacob. God promised the Messiah would come through them. Now God's chosen people was under slavery, under this oppression, and it did not stop there. Verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives. So what they used to do, there were certain women who would deliver the babies. So like Brenda's pregnant, she would go to a midwife when it was time for her to give birth to the baby. The midwives would birth the baby and so on and so forth. And so the Pharaoh went to the Egyptian, to the Hebrew midwives, verse 15, and he said, and it gives her name, Shipra and Pua. Verse 16, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe what they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. And so they told the midwives, listen, these God's people, I don't care about none of that. All the sons that are born, I want you to kill them right there. Thanks be to God, as you keep reading, the Hebrew midwives said, nah, we're not going to do that. As a matter of fact, they didn't do that. And the Bible said God blessed them. As a matter of fact, uh, the, uh, the king showed up and said, why are all these baby boys being born? And the woman was like, listen, these Hebrew women are just fast. Once they call us and be like, yo, I'm about to give a baby. By the time we get there, the son's already born. So there's nothing we can do about it. And so the king said, okay, I got a plan. Verse 20. So God was good to the midwives. The people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. 22, Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile. But let every daughter live. So Pharaoh said, okay, we're going to take care of this. After they're born, drown them. Every single son that's born. What he was trying to do was destroy the line. You kill all the sons, there's no more sons being born. There's no more children being born. Well, they just got a bunch of women. And then eventually they all be destroyed. And God's nation, God's people, God's chosen people, God's plan would have died and be done away with. And so the king declared a proclamation, an edict, to drown every son born and to drown them in the Nile River. This proclamation was issued and it ensured the destruction of every son there was born. So there was a funded, I'm going to write this down so you can see it because I'm going to say it a lot. There was a funded, I'm just going to write some keywords. There was a funded, systematic, carefully designed operation. And the purpose of that operation was to destroy the children. That's what it was. Pharaoh and the people in Egypt had a systematic, funded, and carefully designed operation established to destroy the children, to indeed then destroy God's people. That was the plan. Coming from the highest of all authorities in the land at that time. 
So here we are with God's people at the brink of destruction. God's word was at stake. God told Abraham, I'm going to do this through you and your children will do this. So God's word was at stake. God's covenant was at stake. God made a covenant, that, that, that precious promise, that contract. If you do this, I will do this. But the enemy was like, I'm going to end all this right now. I missed him in the garden. I missed him with the flood. I'm getting them now. We kill all the boys that'll be done. I ain't got to worry about this seed to destroy my head. I ain't got to worry about the Shiloh that's coming. I ain't got to worry about none of that. So all of this was at stake. And what God did at this time, he chose to put the future of his people, the future of the Messiah, and he entrusted all of that to a mother. He put that all in the hands of a mother. Look with me in chapter two. Verse one, now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. So I'll, we'll stop right there. We're in trouble now. She gave birth to a son. What was the edict? What was the proclamation? Well, there was a funded, systematic, carefully designed operation to destroy all the sons. It was throughout the entire land. And this woman, who was a Levite, who married a Levite, gave birth to a son. And so we got problems now. We got issues. Now, God entrusted all of this to a mother. Now, we don't, the Bible doesn't specify the level of involvement that, Mo, that the father had. I'm going to say his name. <laughs> the father's name was Amram. The Bible doesn't specify the amount of involvement that Amram had in the story. But God chose in his word to give special attention, to highlight, to bring to the forefront the mother's role in the involvement of what's about to happen. And I think that's special for some reason. A lot of times you see the Bible, you see the men, 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 men. God specifically, said, this, God specifically at this time said, I'm going to highlight and show you how this woman, this mother, came to the deliverance of my people. Her son, by the way, you know already we're in the book of Moses. <laughs> not, we're not in the book of Moses. We're in the book of Exodus, which was written by Moses. Her son was Moses. So Amram and Jochebed had a son. His name was Moses. And what's cool about Moses is we know the story already. We know that Moses was the one who took the staff in front of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. We know that Moses was the one who dropped his staff, turned to a snake, and it ate up the other mystic magician's snake. We know Moses was the one who put his staff in the Nile River, the same river they were drowning boys that were born during that time, and it turned blood red. We know that Moses was the one who let his people go. They followed him out. Over a million people came out. And they got to the Red Sea, and he lifted up his staff, and the Red Sea parted. And they walked on dry ground, and when Pharaoh and his army came through, the waters crashed and destroyed them. We know this Moses who went through, and he prayed to God, and manna came from heaven, and meat came from heaven, and he brought them all the way. We know that this Moses is the one who brought the law to us. The law. that We didn't have a law. Moses, God said, I'm going to use this man to bring the law. So the lawgiver on earth was Moses. He was a ruler. Moses was the first person and the only person before Christ to be that person who was a go-between between God and man. Think about that. Moses was walking to the hoses of the hoses and God had come down face to face. Okay, Moses, what's going on? Good day today. Listen, this is what I want you to tell the people. Moses got it, God, and he walked out and he tells the people, oh, yeah, I just saw God. Matter of fact, when he saw God on the mountain, when he came down off the mountain, his face was white. Glowing. They had to put a sheet over his face because he had been face to face with God. This is who Moses was. This was the guy who was going to deliver God's people. 
and there was a funded, systematic, carefully designed operation to destroy him. And God said, I'm going to use a mother to make sure that this happens. What's funny is that, and I read this, the deliverer, Moses, was delivered by a woman. Ha! If I was a preacher, I'd, I, hey, if I was a preacher, I'd, I'd do a hoop right after that, you know. Okay. So, back to the scripture. Now, the man, now, from the, now man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Now, I don't know why it was important to, to, to acknowledge that first verse there, but God put it there for a reason. He says that a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. So I was like, okay, what could, why, why, why would you tell us that? We know the Israelites, Levi, okay, is, is it significant? So I said, okay, what was the deal about the Levites? What was, what was the deal about Levi? So in my research, I turned to, turn with me real quick, Exodus chapter 32, same book, verse 26. So Moses, talking about the same guy, who about to be destroyed from the funded, systematic, carefully defined operation to destroy him, Moses, God had given him the, the law. And Moses was coming down off the mountain. And as he was coming down off the mountain, he had his boy Joshua with him. And he heard some cheering in the camp. And Joshua said, yo, the people must be throwing a party. And Moses was like, nah, it's not a party. We're about to go down here and wreck some stuff up. When he came down, he saw that the people have like, Moses has been going for a long time. So we're going to need a God. So, hey, let's take all our earrings off, melt them, make this golden image of a cow, and let's worship that. And so that's what they did. They just got out of the Red Sea. They just saw all that God had done for them. And so when Moses came down, he saw this, he fussed them out, and he said, you know what? Whoever is on the Lord's side, come with me. And so when you look at Exodus 32, verse 26, Moses was heated. Matter of fact, he was so heated, he took the calf, he melted it down, and he made them drink it. So they had to drink hot gold. Of course, they died right after that. But that's how heated Moses was. Verse 32. Um, I'm sorry, chapter 32, verse 26. Moses stood at the camp entrance and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. Look what it says. And all the Levites gathered around him. So one thing I know is significant about the Levites is they have decided that they were going to be one who was for the Lord. King James Version, I like that when it says all this on the Lord's side, come over here. And the Bible says the Levites, took, the Levites said, okay, we, we on the Lord's side. We know what's wrong with these crazy people with this calf. And they came on the Lord's side. So one thing we know about the Levites is that they were on the Lord's side, such that if you keep reading down in verse 29, it says, afterwards, Moses says to the Levites, you have been dedicated to the Lord since each man went against his son and his brother. Therefore, you have brought a blessing on yourselves today. He said that because after Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? The Levites came and says, we are. Moses said, OK, pick up your swords and your spears and go out there and just start killing folk. And Levites say, OK, we did. And he said, because you obeyed God and you did not do this, we're going to bless you. And so who we have here in the Levites is people who were on the Lord's side, people who were dedicated to the Lord. And I like that word there when it says dedicated. Today, you have been dedicated. King James says consecrated. When you look at the Hebrew, that word consecrated or dedicated means filled 
hand. F-I-L-L-E-D hand. I was like, okay, that don't make no sense. What, is, what does a filled hand have to do with dedication or consecration to God? When you do the research, you'll see that the idea of it is that I've cupped my hands and I've poured incense into my hands and now I'm going into the holies of holies and I'm offering up an offering of incense in worship to the Lord. So your hands are cupped. And so when the Bible says they were dedicated to the Lord or they consecrated themselves, it says that they had humbled themselves in such that they were offering up pure worship, the kind of worship that God wanted to him. And so when you go back to chapter 2 and it says that a man of Levi married a Levite woman, what it lets me know is that these are people who are for the Lord, on the Lord's side, who are worshipfully, actively worshiping the Lord with their hands offered in praise. And so before we even learn what Jochebed did, we see that she was on the Lord's side And we see that they were already consecrated, hands filled and offering to God. So mothers, I ask you, in a time where there are funded and systematic and carefully designed operations at the highest level in our world, world, dedicated for the sole purpose of destroying your children, are you consecrated? Are you dedicated? Have you made a decision to be on the Lord's side? Because when that happens, the Bible says that God will bless them. Therefore, it says she was blessed by the Lord. So because of that, one, we know that her family was united on the side of the Lord. There was active, obedient worship to the Lord and that she was blessed by the Lord. As mothers, we need to make sure, fathers too, we need to make sure that we are consecrated and have dedicated and have cupped our hands in holy worship and offering worship to God on a daily basis. That is the only way we will have the strength and the wisdom and the understanding to be able to go against this funded, systematic, carefully designed operation designed to destroy our children. And so the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Jacobed recognized the threat. She recognized what was going on in the world around her. And so we have this threat, this funded systematic activity design operation to destroy her child. She recognized that. So she was a mother in perilous times. She was a mother in dreadful times. Think about that. Think about that uh, Trump comes out and said, okay, every child, son, I want him dead. So Britain's pregnant. They're about to have a baby. If it's a boy, the authorities, the FBI is going to come in. They're going to kill the baby right there on the spot. That's what was going on during that time. OK, so this was real. And so Jacobet was a mother during this time. Jacobet was birthing a child. She was in slavery, birthing a child who was going to be in slavery or birthing a child who was going to death, going to die. And she decided she made a decision that she was going to protect her child from that funded, systematically, carefully designed operation to destroy him. And so what Jacobed, after she recognized the threat, Jacobed then rebelled against the tyrant. She said, I'm not going to obey. I'm going to protect my child. I'm going to stand against this funded, systematically, carefully divine operation to destroy him. And I am going to protect my child. She did it because it was her natural instinct. Why? Because she was already dedicated to God. 
She was already a person who was worshiping God, and she knew that it was her responsibility as a mother to do that. And so the bravery that this mother, Jochebed, showed, the courage that she showed to go against the system, to go against what was happening around her, to go against what her family was telling her. Girl, you should raise that boy like this. To go against what the aunts and uncles were saying, why you do that? That child going to grow up not knowing how to... She was brave and she had courage to raise her child knowing the system that this son, the danger, the life-threatening situation that he was being birthed into, she made his decision to be brave and to courage and to protect her child from the dreadful world to which he was about to be born. There has been an official proclamation in 2019 issued against the spiritual and the moral destruction of our children. It's out there. When you walk around, you turn on the TV, you turn on the radio, you click on the Internet, no matter where you go, there is a systematic, well-funded and carefully designed operation from the enemy himself, filtered down to the enemy's people, whose sole purpose is to destroy your child. Don't love your child. Sole purpose is to destroy your child spiritually, to destroy your child, that's the relationship with God, to destroy your child morally, how your child interacts with the people, and literally to destroy your child physically. I'm dead. And so that is where we are raising children today. And so we are extremely cautious. We're extremely active, sometimes violently active. And on point, when it comes to the physical protection of our children. Ain't nobody going to mess with my kids. I tell Janelle all the time, I say, Daddy, why you do that? I say, because my job is to protect you physically, mentally, spiritually, morally. And so I will do things that you might think is cool, that not, not cool, that might embarrass you. Because my responsibility is not to embarrass you. That's not my responsibility. Don't embarrass her. My responsibility is to protect in all facets that it comes to the kids that God has loaned to me for a little time. And so I am active, I am cautious when it comes to doing that. How would we rank the extremity of our cautiousness, the violence of our activity, and I'm on point with it, but how would we rank the oinness of our pointness when it comes to the spiritual protection of our children? When it comes to the moral protection of our children from the proclamation in Babylon right now. See, physically, we're constantly visibly and aware about our children's whereabouts. We got little babies. You want to know, you always know what a baby is. It's not like, oh, where the baby? Oh, I don't know. Crawling around here somewhere. No, that, that's not what we do with infants. We know constantly where the baby is. And so we always got our eyes on them. We know where they are physically. The question is, because of this funded systematic carefully designed operation to destroy our children, do we have the same constantly visible aware whereabouts when it comes spiritually? I always know where these three kids are at all times, or their mama know, at all times. Do I know where they are spiritually? Am I as concerned about their spiritual whereabouts as I am with their physical whereabouts or their moral whereabouts? How are their interaction with other people? Am I concerned about that? With a, with a baby, I'm constantly connected and engaged uh, 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 in the environment around them. I want to make sure the environment around them is constantly safe. I want to make sure I understand everything that they are exposed to. Where you going? Who's going to be there? What are they going to do? Where their mama? Hmm. I need to understand. I don't know the people, so you can't go over the house. 
Why? Because I'm concerned about their physical protection and so who they're getting exposed to. Do I have that same concern when it comes to their spiritual exposure? Exposure. Do I know what they're watching on their phones? Do I know what they're listening to when them headsets on? Do I know morally who they're talking to and what they're saying when they're texting their friends? Yeah, because I pick up the phone and I go through, say everything they said. What, why are you saying this? You saying the, no, we don't talk like that. No, you don't even, you don't even, no, we don't, we don't. Why? Because I have to be concerned about their exposure because there's a funded, systematically defined operation out to destroy them. I'm very careful of who my children come in contact with. My children spent the night over one person house that's not family. Two. And one of them is the Garcias. <laughs> it was pretty much family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Why? Because I ain't let my children go around the house. It's crazy out here. It's a crazy world. Because I'm conscious of that, who they're exposed to and who I let come in contact with my children. Do I have the same? Do we mothers have the same thing of what spiritually comes in contact with our children? What morally comes in contact with our children? And then I watched my actions to make sure because when they were little, I noticed that the kids used to mimic, especially this one, used to mimic stuff that I used to do. And so I had to be careful of what I did around him because I didn't want him to do the things I did for uh, several reasons. And so I had to be careful of the things I said because he repeated. I had to be careful of the things I did because he tried to do it. Careful of where he saw me go because he tried to follow and go. And so I was careful of how I responded around him the question is, did I have the same, do we have the same thing when it comes to our spiritual example? When I'm not standing in front of the church with the Bible and the light, am I the same way at home? Or am I one way at church around y'all and somewhere else home when I got my short shorts on? And my comfy socks? Short shorts, they real short. They get shorter when I want people to leave the house. So I pull them all the way up. <laughs> How much longer y'all gonna be here? <laughs> short shorts. You gotta be come home. I'm comfortable. All right, it's my house. But because of that, is my example the same spiritually and morally? I have to make sure that that. Why? Because of what's going on out there. Do we let Pharaoh just slaughter our children, or do we fight for their lives with our lives? Jacobed, this mother said, I don't care. I know what the king said. I know what Pharaoh said. But I am going to stand against this tyrant, and I'm going to, after recognizing the threat, she rebelled against the tyrant and made a decision. What are you mothers willing to sacrifice? Jacobet was willing to sacrifice her life and the lives of her other children. She had two other children, Aaron and Miriam, two other older kids. And if they had found out that she was hiding this baby, oh, they were already in slavery, so they didn't care. Oh, it would have been in the, the life of hers. Are you willing to endure your reputation, your comfort, your peace, your luxuries? Because as mothers, as fathers, as parents, this is what's happening. And so we, like Jacobed, have to be bold and have to be courageous. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, real quick. You don't have to read the turn it. I'm going to read it. In Hebrews 11, we know Hebrews 11 is what we call, anybody know what we call it? The hall of faith. Because every verse in there, by faith, and it tells them what the person did. By faith, such, such, such. By faith, such, such, such. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, 
we get a sneak peek after the fact of Moses. It says, by faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw the child was beautiful and they did not fear the king's edict. How, did Jacob, how was Jochebed able to do this? How was she able to rebel against the tyrant? How was she able to raise his son in the midst of the funded systematic, carefully divine operation to destroy him? She did it by faith. And not just faith in, I'm going to do this. She did it in faith in the most high. Your faith is only as strong as you have it in. And so, mothers, I ask you, where's your faith? As you see things going on in the world, do you have faith or do you panic? Jacobed did not panic. Her faith allowed her to be calm in the crisis because the fear and the respect and the reverence that she had toward God was more than the fear that she had toward that tyrant. Pharaoh. And so, mothers, I, today we see that we need our faith to be calm in crisis. She fully trusted and fully depended on God to raise her child. Where's your faith, mothers? Are you calm in crisis when things happen with your kids that are crazy or things that's going to happen that are crazy? What's your response going to be? Your response is going to be when this stuff goes on totally dependent on where your faith is. Now, Jochebed could not get faith right when this happened. She had to have some faith before then. She had to be in a position, and that's, I think, why God pointed out that she was a Levite who married to a Levite, that what they had there was a people, they were chosen by God, but the Levites were even chosen a little bit more on a special mission. We know that the priests came from the line of the Levites. And so she was already in a position where she was that her faith was in God. And so when this edict came down, when this proclamation came down, when crisis happened, when the child started acting crazy, when the child started acting stupid, when the child started doing things that you would never fathom they would do, she was calm in the crisis. And she responded to that because of where her faith was. Are you fully dependent on God for the raising of your children? We can't do this by ourselves. Verse 3 said, but when she could no longer hide him. See, Jochebed, this mother, was aware that, aware that was a day was coming when she could not physically protect that baby anymore. There was a day coming when that baby was going to leave and she no longer could wrap up and hold him tight. Or knock stuff away. No, you can't do that to my baby. Get away. It was they coming when you could not do that anymore. And she was prepared. She was aware that a day was coming when she had to let Moses, that baby, go. Why? He was still a baby. Baby weren't ready. Baby weren't ready for the world. Still dangerous out there. There's a funded, systematic, carefully divine operation out to destroy him. Constantly. It didn't go away. When it came to the point when she could not hide him anymore, her faith led her to action. Now, I was trying to keep it R's and T's, and I gave up. <laughs> her faith, I'm going to change the color too, led her to action. If I was a preacher, I would have kept it going. You see what I'm saying? I did a little hoop between each one of them. <laughs> her faith led her to action. And so she prepared a planned course of action for that day. Mothers, what is your prepared plan of action? Fathers too. What's your plan of action when it's time for that baby who's now just a baby to go? 
What plan are you putting in place right now? What active plan have you said? Because there's a funded, systematic, carefully defined and designed operation solely for the purpose of the destruction of Jaden, Miguel, Los, Naya, uh, uh, Tali, Faithy, Laylee, Joel, Zaya, Miguel, uh, 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 Paola, and Eden, <laughs> and Chi-Chi, and Israel, but it's systematic. What's your plan, mothers? Do you have a plan? The plan needs to be active, the plan needs to be ready. What did she do? She placed him in the bank of the Nile. Jacobed, and this was my other R, it was going to be smooth. She released uh-huh, the toddler. <laughs> it's, it's falling down. But she got to the point where she saw the plan, she developed a plan that she was able to release him. And what's crazy about is where did she release him? Remember, Pharaoh came down and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take all the baby boys and we're going to drown them in the Nile River. Jacobed said, I'm going to take this baby and for his protection, I'm going to put him in this basket and I'm going to put him in the Nile River. You see, what happened was sometimes the enemy takes the place of your drowning and turns it to the place of your deliverance. Sometimes the enemy takes an elements that was situated to suffocate you and makes them elements situated for your salvation. Sometimes the segue from tears and sorrow becomes a pathway of hope for tomorrow. There you go. Jaden, get an organ. But that's what happened. That same place, that same place where they were drowning. Think about that. You out there watching these men grab, these soldiers drown your babies in the water. The baby's kicking and screaming and suffocating and dying. And you got all these babies' bodies floating face down in the water in this Nile River. This is a place of destruction. This is a place of suffocation, a place of tears and sorrow. And God, God said, God told her, Jacobet said, I'm going to release my child into this thing that the enemy had designed to destroy him. I'm gonna, God's going to use this as a blessing for my son. So verse 5, Pharaoh's daughters went down to bathe in the Nile River while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her slave girl that took it, opened it, and saw him, the child. There he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister, Miriam, said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? Pharaoh's daughter said, go. So the girl went and called, guess who? Her mama, Moses' mama, Jacobin. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay you wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed That's another message right there. Mm. So the woman took the boy, Jacobin took the boy and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and became, he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the Nile. Verse I want to focus on is that verse 9, then Pharaoh's daughter said, take this child and nurse him. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. That word there is nourished. Oh, by the way, his sister was watching over him. Mothers, who is your partner to help watch over your child? See, Mary, uh, Miriam was put there. She put the baby in the Nile and she told Miriam, stand far away. Don't let nobody see you. 
but I want you to keep an eye on them to see what happens in the, once I release them. And I thought about that. We need helpers or partners to help in the raising of our children. We need people around that we can trust, like Miriam did, to watch that baby. Because even though she had faith and she recognized the threat and she rebelled into the tyrant and she released him, the toddler, into the turmoil Nile River, that's another T. Even though she did all that, she still had someone there to watch also. The Bible says that she nurtured the baby. That word nurture means to supply with nourishment. Those are substances necessary for growth, health, and good condition. See, she knew that the whole dynamic of her baby, this was her baby, remember that, was going to change now. Because Pharaoh had took her, Pharaoh's daughter has took her as her own. So she knew that she was about to release this baby into Babylon, into Egypt, into the depth, into the belly of Egypt, right there on the palace. The same guy who had declared this funded, systematic, carefully designed operation was now going to be her baby's grandfather. And so this time that she spent nurturing him or giving him those necessary, what was necessary for growth, health, and good condition was time that was valuable. And I promise you, she used every second to tell that baby who he was, to tell that baby about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when that baby was released to the belly of the beast, that baby had a foundation that no matter what came, what happened, what he heard, what he saw, what he was made to do, he knew who he was. Such that as he grew up, he was walking around, and the Bible says later on that Moses left the palace and went amongst his people. That tells me that his mama let him know, hey boy. You're an Israelite. Now, I know she's going to say she's your mama, but let me tell you the story. He knew what happened. He knew his people was. The Bible says he went into his people, and that's when he saw their people fighting each other. He knew why. Because his mother nurtured him. Mothers, this is the time right now. After recognizing that threat, after, you need to recognize the vital importance of the limited time that we have with our children, and it's time to nurture, and that nurturers should not stop, even after the child left the home. I was thinking about that. There's no magic age. And a child gets that all of a sudden, and I'm done. Hey, I did everything I'm supposed to do. No, that's no magic age. We still have wisdom. We still been where they're trying to go. Now, that doesn't mean I'm still cutting Jaden's steak at 16, 17, 21 years old so he don't choke. Okay? <laughs> There's some things he needs to mature into doing. But it also don't mean... I'm going to just allow him to do stuff or let him do stuff on his own the older he gets. See, I'm evaluating the physical, the spiritual, the moral maturity of Jaden. I'm evaluating all those things, and I'm weighing that in perspective of the current threat level. And I'm saying, okay, based on the threat and based on his maturity level in these areas, I can allow him to do this, but he's not going to be able to do that. Well, I'm going to say something when he does this, and I'm going to guide him through that, but I'm going to let him figure his own way on that one. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm active. I'm nurturing. I'm giving him what he needs, and I'm pulling back when I, don't think, when I think he got it. That's an activity. That's what we have to constantly do, mothers. We have to continue to do that. Our responsibility is going to gradually shift from that active nurture, that bottle that you put in the baby's mouth. You can't do that when he's 24 years old. But it's going to shift from that active nurture. And then that's going to reduce and then it's going to turn to a type of respectful advice. Hey, listen, you know you're grown. But I'm going to tell you this. You pray about it and you do what you think you need to do. Now, if your child is married with children, you're still trying to dictate, intervene and are actively involved with nurturing, something's wrong. 
But until then, there's a level there that you have to do. He knew who he was. Why? Because Jacobad's faith. She recognized the threat. She rebelled against the tyrant. She understood that there was a systematic, carefully divine operation sent to destroy her child. And she responded to that. And we know the story. We know what happened after that. Turn back to Hebrews. Your Bible still might be creased there. Hebrews 11. We know what the response was or the, the, what happened because of Jacobed's, this mother, faith. This deliverer who delivered the deliverer of God's people who need delivering. Back to uh, Hebrews eleven twenty three, We read 23, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because Jacobed taught him. She nurtured him. She let him know who he was and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I want that for my children. I want Jaden to get to a point when he's older to choose to go with God's people instead of join the fleeting pleasures of sin. I want Janiah to make that choice. Pleasures of sin, people of God. I'm going with God. I want Layla. I want all our children to be able to make that decision. They were able, Moses was able to do that. Why? Because a mother made a decision. She understood what the threat was. She rebelled against the system that was meant to destroy her child. She had faith and she nurtured him. Chose not to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. 26, for he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater than wealth than the Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the uh, reward. 27, by faith he left Egypt behind, being, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. He chose reproach over reward. He was not afraid of what was going on. Why? Because he saw God, him, him who was invisible. That's what we want for our children. We want them to be able to see God. We want them to be able to choose God instead of the fleeting pleasures of sin. We want them not to be afraid, and we can do that. Mothers, it starts with us. The faith of Jacobin. To be able to have faith, and that faith into action. And for God to give an opportunity to nourish that child. So, on this Mother's Day, I challenge you, mothers, fathers, families, let's do that. Let's understand what's going on. And like Jacobed, have that faith to not be afraid, but put our faith in God and to nurture these children so they can be like Moses. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of Jacobed that you put in your word, God, and how you let us know that this woman uh, was able to deliver the deliverer of God, of your people. And through her act of faith, God, and through her resilience and through her courage and through her bravery, Moses was brought into the world and from that your people were free and we get David and Solomon and we get the Messiah and we get the crucifixion and we get the resurrection and we get our salvation all through that line from your perfect plan. We thank you for that mother Jacobed, Father, and I pray that our mothers here in this church will be just as courageous, just as brave, just as faithful, just as worshipful as Jacobed was. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. 
Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.